I just want to stick my head down in a lake at some point and say, hey, guys, my name is Chad. All you fish who can hear me, you don't have to take the lure. You're tuning in to Coach and Joe, conversations on friendship with God. Welcome to Coach and Joe. I'm Coach. That's Joe. We're finally into warm weather. Praise the Lord. You're a warm weather guy. No, I'm not. I'm a fall guy. I'm a, I sweat a lot. So when South Carolina gets too warm, I don't like it. Like today was almost too hot. It's a hot sun down here. Today? Yes. It was like 70-something. <laughs> like? I need it to be like, what? You're judging me right now. It's 72 outside. I'm judging you because that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard oh, in my well, life. Well, that's your opinion. It's going to be 100 degrees soon. I, I, I know that, and that's way too hot. Was it really too hot for you today? There were moments it was, yeah. That was uncomfortable. We had that meeting outside, and I, I didn't like it. Really? Yeah, yeah. I liked it for about 10 minutes, and then I was like, yeah. What, the Masters Golf Tournament's not even here yet. <laughs> it's not even that hot. It snowed yesterday. It did not snow yesterday. Yes, it did. Oh, yes, it, it did. did snow in the morning. Yes, it did. Was that two mornings ago? Two mornings ago. It did snow. I it promise. Did. I know. I know it did. We had four weather patterns in one day. Well, South Carolina needs to make. But you grew up in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you played football in cold weather. Yeah. I used to watch those Michigan games. It looked miserable. What's the coldest football Horrible. game you ever played in? Iowa, eight degrees, negative eighteen wind chill. Is that when that white dude about broke your face? Nope. That was a different game. That was that that was a different year at at home in the big house. And I when I think of <laughs> Iowa, I think of. Big old farm boys, and, the, and I think of it being eight degrees. The most special, like the best special teams team in the country. Was it? What was it like playing eight degrees? Horrible. Hor- I mean, you want your receiver is frozen. Don't want to get the ball thrown to you because you're so cold. It's bad. It's That's bad. brutal. Yeah, it was horrible. But I made it out, and I moved to South Carolina, and now I'm too hot. Were you here? You were here last summer. I was. Well, you were in Hawaii most of the summer, <laughs> right? I did. I was there for almost a month. That was amazing. If you guys haven't been to Hawaii... You were there longer than a month. No, I was not. You, this story's growing. I was not. I was there for like three weeks. Three did, and a half. Did you take your Jaguar? To Hawaii? What year's your Jaguar? <laughs> when you pulled up... This is a great story. It's a true story. It has, what, 300,000 miles on it? <laughs> not not 300,000. How many is that? 190. Oh, I thought you said it was 290. No, no. Gosh, no. What's the story you want to tell? You want to tell when I first came? Well, I pulled up in the parking lot, and I just figured a donor had come to Bridgeway to fund the movement. And they were like, no, that's your intern. And I said, let me let me get this straight. Joe drives a Jaguar. <laughs> but it does have 200,000 miles. The V8. And it was a gift. Yeah. Have it's, you, got, it's supercharged, too. It's supercharged. It's fast. I do. I love this. Not I, that I speed, though, because one time I told my friend... This is a really funny story. It was actually when I was moving to South Carolina, I called them and I was like, hey, I feel like I can speed because cops will let you speed as long as you're not speeding that bad. So God's probably cool with it too. I literally said that. Oh, sure, got you. He said, okay, Joe. Uh, Within an hour, I got pulled over for a $180 ticket. And then five hours after that, it was like a $350 ticket. In one day? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So then I don't speed anymore. I just go really fast up to the... Up to the speed limit. I had a 5.0 1989 GT Mustang. and In it, college? Yes. it was. She was beautiful. Color? Black with a red stripe. Oh, sweet. And it would go 0 to 60. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that 5.0 GT Mustang. And wherever I was, whatever the speed limit was, I would get to the speed as fast as I possibly could, and I would stop then. 
I just remember throwing people back in that thing. It was stick shift. Man, those are some good days. Then I got married, got a minivan, had a natural gas bill, had three kids. Now I go to zero to 60 in about a minute. Mm-hmm. I went, I used to have a time in my life where I drove fast. Now I'm more of a pontoon guy. All right. Slower pace. Yeah. All this Sabbath talk. Let's jump in and talk about Luke 17.1. Let's go there. Okay. Uh, Luke 17.1, Jesus says, don't worry about it because the offenses will come. It's impossible that the offenses don't come. This is a book written by John Bevere called The Bait of Satan. Mm-hmm. You put Satan on the title of a book. That's intense. <laughs> I read a book called Mama Jane's Secret. It's about int- intimacy and friendship with God. The Bait of Satan. This is about the deadly trap of offense. How did we not talk about on the last podcast Anwin's brother being Lucifer in that show? That is true. If you heard the last podcast, her biological brother is Satan. Is Satan on the show Lucifer? <laughs> yes. Man, how do we not talk about I that? The funniest part about that is when when uh, Anwin and Andy came to our house. I got a word of knowledge for the the. Holy Spirit was playing a joke on me. Have you heard this? No. What was the word you got? I said, I want a word for Amway. And the father said, ask her if her brother likes to act. I figured act like downtown at some Greenville Little Theater thing. You know, play like Annie and the Christmas show Annie, a bunch of 15-year-olds or whatever. He's Lucifer. And I said, and I said, hey, the father just gave me a picture. Does your brother like to act? And they looked at each other and they, they didn't want to answer. And I, I thought I'd offended them. And she goes, yes, he's Lucifer on the... And I was like, on on Fox? <laughs> so I went to London right after that. Not too far after that. He's all over the buses over there. So I had breakfast with him. He's ripped. I felt like a sodium block standing beside him. <laughs> Took pictures with him. I was like, what's up, man? I was like, this is awesome. I know a movie star. We're going to play golf together soon. That's awesome. I will whip him he when we is, play. He is If Satan. you're listening, Tom, if you ever listen to this, Satan. you're going to get it. I'll give you five shots aside. You're a movie star, but I won the Holly Tree member guest. Don't ever forget that. Hashtag dominance champion. Um, so, Satan. Yeah. So, John wrote a book called The the Bait of Satan. This thing is intense. Uh, what in the world is offense? Uh, no, no, no. What is gossip and slander? Oh, and why do so many of God's kids love it? So, so gossip and slander... Is taking the power that's in the tongue, right? So James talks about how our tongue, he compares it to a rudder that can steer a ship. He compares it to something that can set a forest aflame, a life aflame. So this tongue, right, our ability to speak is a huge deal to a God who spoke creation into existence and made us in his image. And so gossip and slander is using the power that's in our tongue to tear down and to speak the language of hell, which is half-truths, shadows, innuendos, false pictures. It's to stir dissension and dissent in the body of Christ. And frankly, I think a lot of people in the body of Christ love it uh, because it feels good when you're not the person that has the issues. When I participated in a lot and when I when I do, like when I struggle with this, it's typically because it feels way better for me to be talking about somebody else's junk as opposed to mine. It's kind of like the where it talks about in the Gospels about taking the, the log out of your own eye before you go after the speck. Gossip and slanderers are people who've never removed any logs from their own eyes and they just point out specks. 
What's and the, they're not even the fullness of the spec. They're just their best understanding, their limited picture of the spec. Do you know the first thing Jesus said when he rose from the grave? Do you remember? It's okay if you don't. Behold, I have been given cheese. Uh, <laughs> that'd be what I would say. Behold, I've been given all authority. Yeah. Okay, so he holds the authority. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do he do with that authority? Then he says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. So yep. keys represent authority. Mm-hmm. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. What Adam stole from, what Satan stole, what this one stole from Adam and Eve in the garden, Jesus came to take it back yeah. and give it to us, right? Yes. Yes. All right, watch this. Uh, thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. How old are you? 27. Why Why has he not, why has Satan not just walked into your house? He didn't have the authority to. Okay, so how does he kill us? Deception, lies, shadowy secrets, blah, blah. This is how, this, I've been in ministry 22 years. Yeah. This is his, I think, number one vehicle to come at. God loves unity. Satan loves disunity. God will not bless something that's disunified. He will bless unity. What is Satan's number one objective? He loves disunity, marriages, homes, churches, businesses, teams. He specializes in it. Yep. So here's the million-dollar question. Why do we fall for the bait so much? You like to fish, right? Oh, yeah, I love it. What uh, What type of fish do you like to fish for the most? I love bass fishing. What, what bait do you use? So I use a six-inch finesse worm on a Texas rig, but... That's do you ever ask yourself, why do, Why can they not figure it out after all these years? Why can the fish not say, hey, that thing looks, that doesn't look normal. Instead, they're like, uh, I must get it, right? What is the deal with that? Typically, great baits look odd. Yeah, they can. Mm-hmm. The, some of the topwater lures are like, and it drives, it drives the... Yeah, they hit reaction. What's the proverb my wife told me this morning? Gossip is... Um, it tastes beautiful to the mouth. Oh gosh. Why do why do Christians take the bait so easily? Well, I think it I don't know, coach. <laughs> Deception runs deep. I think that's the first place you have to start. And so when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. And and the only time you actually start to understand the layers of deception, I personally believe, is in true community, not codependent stuff that we call community, but true biblical community, and in discipleship. And so if I'm honest with you, I think the reason, at least a huge reason as to why gossip and slander is something that's rampant, is because discipleship isn't real for so many people. They don't have people leading them in the way of Jesus teaching them how how to speak and how not to speak. I mean, if you go on Twitter right now, it's full of gossip and slander, and you Mm -hmm. can drink your fill of it for hours and not even get to the bottom of the barrel. Mm -hmm. Like, the world lives in this. It's, did you hear what that happened to that person? Did you hear what happened to them? Did you see see that? This, this, oh, did you? And, and And it spins you up. It spins you up into all sorts of partial pictures. Oh, my gosh. I remember, um, Quinn, Quinn Woodard texted Brian and I and said, did you hear that Saquon Barkley got traded? And in my spirit, I was like, there's no way they traded him. It was a lie. It was a lie. But I think he had seen it like on Twitter or something like that. And that he passed the information along. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it just happens so similar like that. And so it, things can happen. You know what, what really comforts me, coaches? It says that we prophesy in part and we know in part. 
Slander and gossip thrives when people think that they know in full, in prophesy in full, specifically in spirit-filled communities. When you think you have the fullness of the picture and you weren't an eyewitness to the thing, hey, I would proceed with caution, my friends. Have you heard the comment? uh, We had Mama Heidi on here recently that love has to look like something. Yeah. You ever heard that? Oh, yeah. You agree with it? Love yeah. has to look like something? Yeah, I agree. Do you think love ever looks like this? <laughs> warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Where, this is not from the book of where is Jabez this? or the book of Shekinah Honda Maliki. This is from Titus chapter 3. A lot I hear all the time, you know, love has to look like something. Need to love people better. I think loving people better also looks like, you know what? I'm going to warn you for the second time. And if you do not stop being divisive and planting bait as though you are a demon or a host of demons, I'm going to have to have nothing to do with you. It's so interesting to me that how we define what love looks like because you're going to have to rip out a lot of scriptures because the way, if you only think love looks like continuing just to entertain it, the way in which you deal with offense a lot and you deal with gossip and slander, you warn and then you say, I'm setting such a hard boundary with you. Uh, I'm going to be biblical and I've warned you now, and I can't have anything to do with you. Let's be biblical. First Timothy five nineteen. Don't entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses, not two or three friends and community that all have a grievance together. Two or three witnesses to a specific event. This is Paul's instruction to Timothy on how to run a church. Don't even entertain an accusation unless there are multiple eyewitnesses to it. My gosh, in this culture, I'm telling you, and I love, I love being alive at this time. I really do. I talk about the culture a lot, and I'm very thankful that I'm alive because God put me here for a reason, so I'm thankful for it. But my gosh, gossip and slander, it's like breathing. It's like I can't even get through a day without hearing. Did you hear what that person said? Did you hear about even this? Even on the magazine racks at the, gr- at the grocery store. There's gossip columns. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. People live to gossip. It's yeah. crazy. You know, the, you know what I think it's, it's an indication of, specifically in the church? It's an indication you just don't know God. That's it. If you're prone to gossip and slander, the first thing I would sincerely encourage you to do is to get born again. That's the first thing I would do, is to get born again. If you're addicted to gossip and slander, you do not know God. You don't know God. Uh, also, too, he's showing me this right now. If uh, it... If gossip and slander is coming against you and you defend yourself, Mm. it's an indication that I don't know God. Mm -hmm. There have been multiple times in my life when things have been said about me and my wife. You know, we've been in leadership a long time. And and the father will say, if you defend yourself, I will not. It's a great, actually, the bait, if you don't take the bait, the bait is a great tool of righteousness in your life. let's Let's say I'm gossiping and slandering you. Joe, this and that, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Wendy told me, my wife told me the difference in gossip and slander. One is lies. I can't remember which one is which. We'll have to look that up later. If I'm just lying about you or I'm twisting the truth a little bit and you find out about it, if you rush to defend yourself, that's also an indication that something's off Mm -hmm. because he has to be my defense attorney. So Satan Hebrew, the accuser of the brethren, 
It's never going to stop. The bait's never going to stop. But I just want to stick my head down in a lake at some point and say, hey, guys, my name is Chad. All you fish who can hear me, you don't have to take the lure in, in on Joe's line. Just because you see the bait doesn't mean you have to take it. But when I feel like I have to defend myself, I'm also taking the bait on this end. And I want to say this, Coach. Not only is it a tool of righteousness, I think it's an indication of friendship with God. Because the demons only start to speak their language when there's a true second round threat to them. So Good point. Bill Johnson says, if, 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 if I'm not bumping into the enemy at some point, I've got to que- I got to ask myself a question if I'm even walking with God. Yeah. See, because they'll they'll steep an attack on your life when you're actually walking with God and are a threat to him. Right. So the thought that. You know, gossip and slander must be an indication of impurity or something being wrong. Well, Jesus Christ was the spotless lamb slain for us. They gossiped and slandered that man. That's good. That's really good. That man for years of his life, the years of his life of ministry. And it wouldn't stop. It wouldn't stop. But he was pure. He never made a mistake. Man, I think. Take the, your time there. Listen to that. I think the pure that you are in your heart posture and in your obedience to your assignment with God. Gossip and slander is inevitable because the demonic has to try to tear a godly person Do you down. trust a church that's not being attacked by the enemy? Well, it's, so, it's it. so funny. You want to know something that I so appreciate about Heidi Baker? So the rap on Heidi Baker that people typically love to just hammer her on is that she's, you know, spirit, not rooted in the word, not all that stuff. When she was here and she spoke, I looked at her Bible because she brought it on to the show. Every page of that thing was marked up that she had underlines. And again, not that you need to have underlines, but it's, it is evidence. It's like footprints that she actually walked there. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw her Bible and saw the level of how it was filled with her intimacy interaction with it, I was like, people have her pegged wrong. And you know what she said to us? And I think that you could just take this and walk with it all the days of your life. She said, I don't even go on. I don't read my press and I don't read through my haters. I don't have any social media. If you ever get a response from me on social media, it's not me. Because, frankly, I don't have time to be worried about the world saying I'm only listening to what he's saying about me. Well, in the name of Jesus, walk with God. And if you're participating, one of your hobbies is gossip and slander. Ask the Father to lead you out of that. And if you have a tendency to to trigger that against you, never, ever defend yourself. Let Jesus be your defense attorney. And I bless you with the ability to understand that one day you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And that's what will matter the most. Go in peace. Can I say something really quick Yeah. before you shut this down? Sorry. As you were praying, if you're involved intimately, so like if you're keeping tabs on people's lives that you don't know personally, so like if, right, if you're on social media and you follow a celebrity, you follow this person and, and it's like, you're that intimately connected to the flow of their lives through social media and you don't even know them, you might want to ask yourself if you're participating in a relationship that's a facade that God's actually not on. See, because gossip and slander, it's not just what you say, it's what you agree with. And so if you're agreeing with people that you don't even know, if you are seeking them out and following their life, I mean, people follow celebrities. It's like they know where they are. They know what they did today and they don't even know them. Your heart posture is open, I think, to being being tripped up and being in a stumbling. They, they, that can easily become a stumbling block to you because you're connecting with people in a way that's not real intimacy. And that's the first place that I think that this, this thing thrives is in innuendos and in shadows and in partial pictures. And you'll get a lot of partial pictures when you're not actually intimately involved with the people that you're following. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Coach and Joe. Catch more episodes on YouTube and podcast.
To take a deeper look at friendship with God, check out coachandjoe.com.